0: Numbers chapter six. Shall we stand as I read the first twelve verses? Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When well, either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar nor from the wine, from the wine or vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat." fresh grapes or raisins all the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grape vine from seed to skin all the days of the vow of his separation no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to be holy he shall be holy then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow all the days of his, he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or his mother or his brother or his sister when they die. Because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation he shall be holy to the Lord. If anyone dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles them, His consecrated head. Then he shall shave his head on that day, on the day of his cleansing, rather, and on the seventh day he shall shave it. Then on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for him, because he sinned in regard to the corpse. He shall sanctify his head on the same day. He shall consecrate to the Lord the days of his separation and bring a male lamb of its first year as a trespass offering. But the former days shall be lost because his separation was defiled. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. This is a very uh, important portion of Scripture because uh, it's a perfect example of our sanctity and dedication to the Lord as Christians. And uh, in the previous chapter, uh, there's a we spoke of the relationship between a man and a woman and marriage and all, which is really symbolic of the relationship that all believers are to have with God. We are his wife. We are his bride. We are married to Yahweh. We are his children. And so there's a symbolization that goes on here and the Nazarite vow sort of epitomized the uh, was to epitomize the calling of israel as a nation a people dedicated and committed to god and so in reality every as i said here every true christian is a spiritual nazirite we're separated by as we've vowed our lives we've given our lives as we sang this morning as unto the lord Many of you re- might remember hearing of David Livingston in Joseph Stoles book the Through the Fire book some years ago that was written he makes a comment about him and uh, quotes him and it's you know this guy was an amazing brother of dedication and commitment uh, as a missionary he walked over 29,000 miles in his life his wife died early in his ministry he wasn't uh, he really faced stiff opposition from his Scottish brothers' sisters. He was half-blind, <laughs> uh, eyesight issues. But he persevered. He never gave up. In his diary, it's found written, "Send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me." Sever me from any tie, but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. This is really the commitment that God is looking for. This is the kind of loyal love and even greater loyal love that God has toward you. His loving kindness, his goodness, his commitment to you. And all the Lord asks from you and from me. Is the same kind of love. That is the question that we must constantly ask ourselves as we walk in the earth, in our journey. It is a journey. It's not a, it's not a sprint, at least for most of us. It's a marathon. Day by day, one foot in front of the other, walking closer. We're one day closer to meeting him than we were the day before. And we have to ask ourselves in that journey, Am I expressing loyal love to Him? And where we fall short, we must be willing to repent and receive the forgiveness and restoration necessary along the way. Now the word Nazarite, that Hebrew term that's used here, Nazar, literally means devoted one. And What's happening here is there is a an illustration of what that means, uh, done by uh, going through this vow, the idea of abstaining, and again, uh, the Lord is driving home this point in the Old Testament throughout the Pentateuch, you know Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, especially the idea of separation, the idea of 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 not allowing yourself to be defiled by that which is unholy and unclean. The Lord your God is holy and you are the, his people. Therefore, you shall be a holy people separated unto God, set apart for him. The person who took the Nazarite vow was willing to take another step further beyond the norm to sort of live uh distinctly and separate as it were from what was the norm in the community of believers there there was a time limit as we'll see and have read here uh, about the uh, time that the how long the vow would last and and be observed and so the breakdown of the chapters uh very simple actually the first eight verses are the rules uh for this vow it's to be undertaken this is the Nazarite vow and this is what's involved with it uh verses 9 through 12 explain you know um what's to be done during that period of time and if the Nazarite uh, unintentionally was defiled by uh, touching something dead or unclean and then uh verses 13 um how it was ended, how, how to come out of the vow. And so everything, we, we obviously didn't read those verses. And then verse 21 is sort of the summary of those first 20 verses. So this is sort of how the chapter is laid out. Next week, uh, we'll get into the priestly blessing there. But that's for a later uh, time. So verses 1 and 2, it's the idea of consecrating oneself to the Lord. It, we notice here that it's a personal choice. It's voluntary. It's voluntary. You know, this is the thing about walking with the Lord as his, his son or His daughter. God doesn't make anybody do anything. We do it willingly or it won't be done. There's no force. He's, God is not a manipulator. He doesn't drive the sheep. He leads the sheep, you know. He doesn't violate our choice. So this vow was voluntary. And it didn't really matter if you were male or female, man or woman, didn't matter. Anyone within the camp of Israel could take on this Nazarite vow uh, willingly. Notice it says it was a vow unto the Lord. We're not doing it for the high priest or the Levites. Now this is very important that we understand how we live our lives. You and I live our lives unto the Lord. You're not going to answer to the pastor, to the board of elders, or to the board of deacons. You're not going to answer to anybody but God in the end. And so all that we do in our service and our commitment is unto the Lord. And that sort of uh, gives you a whole different perspective on some things, doesn't it? The idea here, uh, being a personal choice and a vow to the Lord, but it's also a total separation from the norm. And... uh, the idea of consecration so important being set apart and again this is uh, uh this vow would again drive home the point that the Israelites who had come out of the world out of Egypt on their way to the promised land before they would get there they were learning the nature and character of God they were learning what it meant and how it applied that of being separate from the world and he, this is the cry of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Not that you're better, but that you're chosen. You belong to Him. You're not your own anymore. It's such an important truth for people to understand. We have a gospel today that's been so watered down. Just pray the sinner's prayer and get your ticket into heaven and live any way you want. I don't see that in the scriptures. I mean, I get the sinner's prayer. I've prayed it myself and, and let others in it. But there's more to than just a simple prayer to get you in. We're talking about consecrating your life to God. This is what we're called to. Because if you really have done that, consecrated your life, there will be a separation You'll be separating yourself from the unholy, the defiled, the unclean. You see, because if you refuse to do that, you'll not come into the presence of the Lord. Because he cannot associate with that. In order for a God to associate with fallen man, there must be sacrifice. There must be a covering and a removal of the unclean and the sin that's involved. You know, uh, if you spend any time in the chemistry lab as a kid, going through high school or whatever, uh, and even now, if you're not careful in the household, you know, you, you got to be careful not to mix certain things together. I mean, for your own good, you just need to know certain things, right? And it's sort of like that when something unclean or... A, disobedience or, or darkness comes into the light, it's, it's immediately vanquished. It's gone. It, it can, they cannot coexist together. And so this is why we can't live unto ourselves. We can do that. Yes, we can. But that also means you're going to forfeit the presence of God. You can't have them both simultaneously. That is the point. So when you have separation... You know, in the negative sense, you kind of lack unity. And in this case, that's good. Because you're separating yourself from that which is not clean and acceptable to God. So you don't want to be united with the darkness. You don't want to be united with that which is unholy and unclean. And so this is the idea of what was to go on, not only in the outward, which is an illustration of what should be going on in the heart of the individual who would make this kind of... Vow unto the Lord, a short period of time, a designated time frame in which they would abstain from normal activities to, in order to draw close to God, to come into to just be near Him. Don't you just love drawing near to the Lord? Isn't it special? Is there? Any, there's nothing else like it. We long for it. We're built for that. That's what it's all about. Being with him, and so this vow is voluntary, a personal choice it was the idea of total separation from the common way of living in the camp and the requirements are important three three basic requirements, as we 've read here, no wine or anything connected to the grapevine now there are there's other commentators that have made uh, a guess a conjecture that um this may relate to the tree of life uh kind of a kind of a back foreshadow type of a thing uh adam and eve were not allowed to partake of the tree of life after the fall and so the idea that uh abstaining from this vine that would normally bring life Uh, the connotation may be there. I don't know. It's interesting. But no wine or anything connected with the grapevine. No haircuts for however long you abstained. And then no touching of of the dead things, of unclean things. So the abstaining from wine and similar drink, the idea of self-denial. This is obviously taught by Jesus firsthand, I mean right out of the gate. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So the idea of self-denial, no vinegar, nothing tied with the grapevine, no grape juice, no fresh grapes, just seed to skin, no compromise. This is the point, well maybe just a little, no, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We're talking about purity, we're talking about complete consecration and commitment. This is driving this point home and that self-denial produces that. God is a jealous God, he will not share his glory with another. Matthew 10:37 through 39 He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. So let's understand the importance of self-denial in the life of a believer. Stop living for ourselves is the message here if you haven't picked up on it yet. It's a basic concept of walking with God. Not my will be done, but yours be done. Jesus Set the ultimate example of that in the garden. Lord, if there's any other way for man to be saved, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will. Complete, absolute surrender to the will of God. If you're not totally, completely surrendered to God, you're not surrendered at all. This is what this vow would do. It would bring about a brokenness and a complete surrender to the authority of God in your life. This is what God is after. There is that initial breaking that takes place when we come to Christ. We have no idea. I didn't even know I was... It took me three months to figure out what happened to me in a sense. I I was not raised in the church. And finally one of the guys, well, you're a Christian now, you know. I said, I am? you know you just like we're just dumb in the sense that we're ignorant we don't know the things of God we must be taught them and the Spirit so willing is so willing to teach us to draw us close uh, to to understanding the ways of God and the idea here too behind the idea of no haircuts not no cutting of the hair this would be uh, an open profession of separation uh from abstaining having the hair cut. That letting the hair grow uh, would be an outward thing of what was going on in that person's life. Now, it wasn't for show in that way, but it was an open profession, if you will. And um, profession, confession is a very important thing in, in the believer's life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, confession... It, it, is through faith and confession that salvation is solidified within the heart. With the heart, man believes. With confession, it is made complete. And so this is very important. Uh, Matthew 10, 32. (laughs) Jesus reveals this to us. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I'll also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So confession is that open part of our profession before others and they can tell what has happened and what's going on in our hearts. It, it, it also, it's, a, it's a sort of an overt way of revealing that person's dedication to the Lord as well. Um, And, you know, that this person is going beyond uh, the normal requirements of worship. And I think it's actually tied to, and this is something that, as I was just thinking this through, um, the high priest had a very special call upon his life. I mean, Aaron, uh, to wear the mitre, and to go in once a year and represent the people, and the Levite, Levitical priesthood that offered the sacrifices. Not everybody could do that in the nation. It was just it was just they were the anointed priests of God, called special by God. But here, a person could take this vow and have sort of the shadow and type of what those men who were the priests. Uh, experienced. They could take their level of God's presence in their life to another level voluntarily by giving themselves in observance of this vow. And we get that the the Nazarites long hair sort of was in comparison to the mitre, the priest diadem, you know, that, that what he had on his head there. You know, notice in verse 7 it says, because of his separation to God is on his head. And so the head being the mind, the consciousness, there's a specialness, the anointing that's upon a person there. Isn't that a wonderful way of the Lord giving everybody fair shot at his presence? You know, because you could say, well, that's just not fair. All those guys, I mean, this sort of come up comes up later, uh, 17, 18, wherever it is there, uh, with Korah and the crew that were upset and bitter with Aaron and, and the priesthood. You know, hey, Moses, you're not the only holy one in town here. You know, we can do this too. There was some jealousy there. Well, you know, if they would have just taken the time to exercise this Nazarite vow, they could have had the same kind of... without all the work actually (laughs) you know they wouldn't have to slaughter all the animals and do all the work that the priest had to do they could have just abstained from these three things and enjoyed a deep interpersonal relationship with god and so i think that's sort of how the lord leveled the playing field and it is that way in the church not everyone's called to be a pastor teacher a prophet an apostle, an evangelist, those special offices that God has uh, ordained for the church. You know, not everyone's called to be a deacon or an elder. I mean, there's just different callings on people's lives. But everybody has an opportunity to draw close to God. Isn't that great? He can do that. That's that's the idea here. Uh, God is no respecter of persons. And if you seek him, he'll show himself to you. If you invite him in, He'll come in and he'll dine with you. Isn't that wonderful? I just think that's great. You don't have to be anything special. Just love God and be willing to separate yourself from the unclean, the unholy. Dedicate yourself. Commit yourself to him. So this idea of, in verse 11, where it talks about the head being sanctified there, Uh, He shall sanctify his head on that same day. You understand uh, how this is God's perspective on it. And so this Nazarite vow sort of would illustrate this deeper commitment, consecration uh, to the Lord. Now, one of the things, again, here's the the mercy and the, the God in his... Omniscience. You know, as soon as a guy steps out and he's gonna do this vow, something's gonna happen. You know, Uncle Harry keels over and lands on his lap. Oh, great. Well, all's not lost, right? You know, he just he gave them complete directions to cover all the issues. Now And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I think it's there. Anytime you take a step towards the Lord to do something like this, you're going to face opposition. Do you think the enemy of our soul is just going to sit back and just smile because, oh, look, they're seeking Jesus. They're wanting to draw close to God. Do you think they're just going to smile and just let you go about your business without any attention? Oh no, he's going to ramp up opposition immediately, if not sooner, (laughs) to stop you in your tracks. The spiritual warfare that begins to take place when you and I take a step to sanctify ourselves, to consecrate ourselves, or to do the next thing that we know we should do. We're going to face opposition. We are fighting a real war here fact at the end of the service series we begin to pray for one another this is going to start happening well should i go up for prayer or not should i stand up for prayer or not well you know what are people going to think i don't really care what people think and you shouldn't either what does god think what do you think and what do you want that's what really matters and so let me say you know the enemy is always there to oppose the work of god in your life and so But God makes provision for those things, and I'm just—it's a wonderful grace of God verse 13 which we didn't take time to read here just talks about this set time this is now this is the law of the nazarite when the days of his separation are fulfilled he shall be brought to the door of the tabernacle of meeting verse 14 and shall present his offering to the lord one male lamb in the first year without blemish as a burnt offering one ewe lamb in its first year without blemish as a sin offering and one ram without blemish as a peace offering a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and grain offering and their drink offerings. Then the priest shall bring them before the Lord and offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. He shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord. With the basket of unleavened bread, the priest shall go also offer its grain offering and its drink offering. Then the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head Again, consecrated head. The Lord wanting to drive that point home. Shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall take one of the boiled shoulders of the ram, one of the unleavened cakes from the basket, one of the unleavened wafers, and put them in the hands of the Nazarite after he has shaved his consecrated hair. And the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. They are holy for the priest together with the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering after the Nazarite, after that, the Nazarite may drink wine. So, the rules, something bad happens in between, how to make it right to continue on and Fulfill the vow, and then how you finish. All laid out there. Notice here, the four types were made before the Lord when the vow is complete. These are the ones that were mentioned in the first part of, of Leviticus. We've covered those. The burnt offering, the meal or the grain offering, the peace offering, and the sin offering. And he lines out each animal along with those sacrifices, and then also uh, those were the bleeding sacrifices, and then the the grain offering, uh, uh, the uh, non-blood offering. But they were to be a sacrifice without blemish, brought to the door. Who's the door? Who are we bringing this to? Jesus is the door. We're bringing our offering to God, not to men. The sacrifice was killed before the Lord. Jesus was slain before the Father. Jesus was laid on the cross. He was laid on the altar. His blood was sprinkled about the altar. It dripped from the cross. The blood is sprinkled around the altar. All typology of what was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also the inward parts were washed. Again, symbolic. God doesn't work from the outside in. The Father works from the inside out. There's first the transformation within our souls and our spirit, and then the, walk, the, the expression given by our bodily actions. Very important that we understand these offerings. The burnt offering represents absolute surrender to the will of God, to the purpose of God. This is why, unless a person is absolutely surrendered, they're not surrendered at all. They're just playing church. They're churchgoers. That's all that is. They're probably just appeasing their conscience, you know. Well, I've got to get to church, you know, because after all, what are people going to think? You know, and I want God to bless my life, so I need to go to church. Well, God will bless your life because he loves you. And he wants you to be in the assembly of the saints. I mean, especially as the writer of Hebrews drives home. We should not forsake the assembly of the saints, especially as we see the day approaching. And I can tell you, if you haven't been paying attention, the day that he's talking about is approaching, and it's here at the doorstep even now. We need each other more now than we've ever needed it. Stop playing around with the world. Stop defiling yourself and... Doing your will instead of God's will. There's a commitment that you have made to Christ and you need to follow through on it. All of us do. God help us to do that. The burnt offering represents that total surrender as believers were to make. And again, this morning, as we're going to pray for one another, if you've slipped from that dedication and that commitment, then then drop your pride and have enough uh, desire to serve the Lord to come and be prayed for. We've all slipped and fallen we've all made mistakes so there's no judging here whatsoever it's time for renewal we forget the past that's what paul said i forget the past and i press towards the an upward call in christ it's over it's done we can't change it but we can from this moment forward purpose in our heart to do the will of god and to be completely sold out and dedicated to him that is all there in the burnt offering. Then there's the grain offering. It's a declaration of your loyal submission to Yahweh, because you love me, Lord. I love you, and here's the work of my hands, the produce of my, produce from my field that I return to you in, in loyal submission to you, Lord. Beautiful pictures of the, in these offerings, and then that's followed by the peace offering which is the joy that we receive when we have come to the Lord and completely surrendered. We've taken of ourselves and given back to Him, and now the result is that there's peace now in my heart with God. I'm no longer at war. I'm not wrestling between His will and my will. It's now His will, and there's a peace that descends upon our souls and our spirits. Now, as you read through that, you realize are all four there are listed there. Of course, the sin offering is for the guilt, you know, when we cross the line. But in the order that they're offered, it is first the sin offering. Deal with sin right up front. And this is sort of the whole thing in the New Testament. It's pretty unmistakable, really. What is it? The first thing we do when we come to Christ, we confess our sins. Lord, I am a lost man. I need forgiveness. Please forgive me. Come into my life. And then, secondly, we, res- we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Nobody can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. That's the burnt offering. That's what Paul's talking about there in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Now, those burnt offerings were pretty much dead on arrival, right? We're a living sacrifice, and we're not, you know, you want to crawl off the altar on occasion. No no doing that. Present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, dedicated, set apart, acceptable to God. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is the whole idea behind these offerings. And the third one there, that grain offering, again, just declaring our loyal love to the Lord in our praise and our worship service. The result of that is that peace. Everyone who has done such this morning should, will leave this building with a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I have peace with you because my sins are forgiven. But now I also have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You're in control. I trust you. Not real happy about what's going on, but I trust you, right? All this stuff prefigured the work of Jesus Christ and how God would redeem mankind. Now we... So we come to the end here now. The last verse there, verse 21. Just This is the law of the Nazarite who vows to the Lord the offering of his separation. Besides that, whatever else his hand is able to provide. According to the vow which he takes, so must he do according to the law of separation. So if you make a commitment to the Lord, keep it. Don't be making these vain you know, vain commitments and not follow through. As Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else comes from the evil one. And we don't want to go there. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. So, this morning, each of us have an opportunity, including myself, to renew our vow and our commitment to Christ. And maybe you've Haven't done so well lately. Maybe what's going on in the world is kind of wearing you down. And you're kind of wore out. You know this whole thing is built to wear us out. But by the grace of God it will not. We will stand strong in the grace of God. Maybe today's the day that you rededicate yourself to the plans and purposes that God's intended for your life. Whatever your situation may be, we're here to do business with the Lord. And we're sincere and we're zealous for the Lord. This is more important than life itself. Right here, right now is the time that we're going to get serious. So the ladies are going to come up and lead us in worship. And what we, how we want this to roll out is we're going to just make this our prayer time as we normally do. And then as the Holy Spirit leads us, we'll, we'll have some people up here uh, or wherever you're at and we'll be able to respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit. So let's just begin to worship in that manner and uh, see what the, how the Lord uh, moves in our hearts.